Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. This week, meet Nate Skinner, the CMO at Onfido, a technology company that provides identity services for a digital world. Nate has built and led marketing and sales teams for B2B tech companies for more than two decades, most recently at Oracle and Salesforce. In this episode, you'll hear how the CMO of a $100 million revenue company strategizes page one positioning for an IPO and much more. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks at demandjump.com today. And now here's your co-hosts, Christopher Day and Ryan Brock. Welcome to Page One or Bust. This is Christopher Day, your co-host, the CEO of Demand Jump, and also joined by Ryan Brock, our Chief Content Officer here at Demand Jump. How you doing, Ryan? Yo, not bad. How are you? Doing awesome. Today, we are super excited to have Nate Skinner with us, the CMO of Onfido, over 700 employees. Onfido is the new identity standard for the internet. How you doing today, Nate? I'm, I'm doing great, Toph. Thanks for having me. I can call you Toph, right? Because you introduced yourself as Christopher, which threw me off. You know, you're exactly right. And a lot of times I say at the beginning of these podcasts, now that we're friends, if someone's listening, just call me Toph because nobody wants to say three syllables. Way too long. <laughs> So welcome, Nate. We're super excited about today. For over 23 years, Nate has been building and leading marketing and sales teams for B2B technology companies. Roles have included the SVP of global marketing for Oracle's advertising and CX business, along with other senior roles at AWS, Salesforce, and Borland. And in full disclosure, Nate also currently serves on the Demand Jump Board of Directors. It is, it is quite an honor to have someone of Nate's caliber on our board. Nate has also been named one of the 20 most important executives shaping the future of marketing technology by Business Insider in 2020. So with that, let's hand over to you, Nate, and kind of kick it off. Maybe tell me about your role at Onfido. Keep in mind, Nate, that we did pick you because you are on our board and we want to make this a very easy first podcast. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you know, I mean, go easy on us. That's an easy one for me for lots of reasons. Actually, it's interesting, Toph, your, your intro. You know, when I met you through the Endeavor process that you all were going through at Demand, I remember hearing you talk about what Demand Jump does and how it helps content marketers and ranking and getting to page one. And then you, sh- I saw the demo. And I about fell out of my chair because I had used all kinds of things to try to increase our performance of non-branded keyword search terms and to mixed results. And so I think an interesting sidebar here is I was like, holy cow, this is going to change my life as a marketer. And I reached out to you and said, hey, I don't know what's going to go on with this Endeavor thing. I don't know what your plan is, but I'd love to be involved with this company. And so here we are, you know, whatever, a year later. It, It has changed the game for me in lots of different ways. I'm looking forward to talking about how. It's amazing how similar that is to my own story of how I got here. I mean, the first time I sat down in a room with Sean Schwegman and he showed me that the demo, it was like 90 seconds before I was like, hey, yeah, just let me play with it. Like, I got to <laughs> see it because this looks amazing. And now I'm on the team. So that went pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Nate, having been a marketing leader in multiple large companies, let's talk about that. Like, what have you seen as the biggest gap and how marketing teams execute. And one of the things that you mentioned on that first call when I first met you, and it's one of the reasons we were building Demand Jump, right? It's like, how do we go from guesswork to just knowledge, right? But how do you think about that and the biggest gap in, in, in how marketing teams execute? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's interesting is that I think if you read the Scott Galloway post-corona book, I mean, there's so many things that the pandemic has accelerated. We all can see them and feel them in our lives, right? Like you can order 
Chick-fil-A before you show up and they'll bring it to your car. That wasn't true in 2019, right? All of the ways in which the world has changed in many ways bad, in lots of ways good. And one of the things that's required from marketers over the last two years is if we're all in this kind of on-screen environment all the time, we started to learn that, whoa, I can get answers to lots of questions without talking to someone. And what is the tool by which marketers can reach you then? It's content and keyword ranking and search terms. I mean, we're all searching for things like the closest Chick-fil-A to me, content solutions that help me rank on page one. I mean, these are the ways that humans think about the problems they're trying to solve and finding solutions to those problems. And in a post-corona world, it's more and more of that is done online in front of our computer. And so the timing of me being introduced to to, uh, Demand Jump and the capability that it brings to me as a marketer, it was kind of perfect timing because we needed to really crank up the help people looking for a solution to a problem find us in a very noisy world. And that's what this does. That's the, the need for it. I hope that answers your question. It's like every marketer out there, B2C or B2B, needs to be thinking about how do I reach people that are looking for me and they don't know my name? And that's what content and SEO is, right? That brought together. And I think Demand Jump really drives that in many ways for my effort, at least in my own experience. Yep. No, I think it's that's spot on. How do you, so in, real quick, just to back up maybe, because I didn't follow up with you on Fido, give us a few minutes about what you're up to, the problems you're solving at on Fido. I know you guys are on fire, you're growing fast. Maybe talk a little bit about your role there on Fido, what you guys are trying to tackle and uh, and how you organize your team. And then we'll kind of take a little road trip on some other questions. On Fido is one of these post-corona accelerants. I mean, in, in a world where human beings aren't going to walk into the bank or into the mortgage lender's office and, you know, here I am, my name's Nate and here's my ID. How do you know your customers are who they say they are? How do you verify their ID? And we all have been experienced with this, with like the clear line at the airport or at an event biometric verification. This has all been accelerated. It's a big part of why I joined on Fido was the capability to deliver that for customers to simplify identity for everyone is why I came here. And so we, but we have challenges. The challenges are, this is a relatively in this context of life or, or, you know, generations, it's relatively new. So companies that need to verify a person is who they say they are with documentation or biometric verification They may not know exactly how to go about that. They may not know of the vendors that they can choose from. They probably don't know that Onfido exists. And that's the opportunity that's presented to us. How that drives into our SEO strategy and the way we take advantage of products like Demand Jump is a core component to our marketing strategy and how we organize our team. So you asked me a couple of questions in there. Let me just drop a couple of things. Number one is SEO is job one. In a world where everyone's trying to find the solution to the problem, how do we make sure when they search for the solution that we can provide, they find us before everybody else? And that strategy paired up with content that helps people learn about this space is why it's so critical for us today. And in the journey that Onfito's on, as we go, you know, 90% growth year over year, and we continue towards, you know, our path and our vision, we want to make sure that everyone that needs to go simplify identity for their customers can do that with us. And it starts with SEO. And so we've organized our team around demand gen that has a content and the content component is the crank that helps people understand what is ID verification? What is facial biometrics? How do you authenticate documents in Brazil? We need to help people find that we are a leader in this space and they can solve their problems with us. That's the crank that we're turning in content and SEO strategy. 
That's brilliant. And that's a really nice segue into really our first segment here, I guess. Uh, you know, we like to use the, the journey metaphor here when we're talking about page one or bus, right? This is like, it's a vacation. It's a road trip, right? So the first thing that we like to talk about with our guests is is just what that road trip has looked like for you so far. Like, what has your journey been to figuring all of that out? Like, right, right now, you're in a state where you're understanding what your best customers are looking for and how to deliver them content. But where were you in your career when SEO first came onto your radar? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I I came from uh, a number of different companies in marketing. So I spent the first chapter of my career, the first 10 years, 99 to 2009, in the field, selling as a sales rep, as an SE, sales engineer, doing post proofs of concepts, things like that. And to be completely transparent with you and, the, and your listeners, like I thought marketing was just you know not useful. I didn't understand what went into it. Now, keep in mind, that was a different time, right? This was before marketing automation products and landing pages and retargeting and all mobile devices. I mean, the iPhone didn't ship till 2007. So that was the, my sales experience. Then I joined a company called Salesforce in 2009. And that's when I, I tell people all the time, I spent five years there from nine to 14. I got a master's degree in marketing from B2B marketing specifically from sales. And that's when it first occurred to me that there was a lot that we could be doing to rank. And I went out to, I'll never forget, I had lunch with my friend, Lauren Baccarello, who's a very well-known kind of CMO and aspirant. We should probably get her on this show. And she paid with, she was like, yeah, the Google team's going to take us to lunch. And I was like, huh? This was 2010 or something. And a big part of why was that Lauren had a relationship with Google for paid search performance and, and ranking. And it was my first experience with like what that's all about. And so as time's gone on, and again, you know, into the everyone's online, 62% of people make a buying decision before they ever talk to a human, that evolution over the last, you know, 10 years, it's become very clear to me that a dollar spent on page one ranking can translate into literally millions of dollars in pipe and demand for your product or your company almost immediately. And these things don't take years. They can be done in, you know, with aggressive focus. They can be done very quickly. But I hope that answers that question. Like when I was exposed to it, I'll never forget Lauren taking me out and saying, well, Google's paying. (laughs) That was a long time ago. It's different now, but. Let's take that super, super specific that, you know, you you kind of glazed over where you started caring about it, right? Like you, you realized what it was, but was there a moment in your career where you were like, I need to care about this. This needs to be something that I do and I, I do well. Yeah. The moment was particularly, I led marketing for the product at Salesforce called Pardot. And we had uh, as powerful as the engine of marketing is at Salesforce inside of that big company was this product called Pardot. We needed to create awareness for it and demand. And it was in a pretty crowded field of other marketing automation players. And that was when I really, this was 2017. It became clear to me that, yes, we're going to get the halo effect of Salesforce marketing at the high level, you know, the Dreamforce and all the things Salesforce does. But we needed to market our solution in a very specific way to a very specific buyer. And that's when SEO became obvious to me. Oh, oh, I know what we need to do. People are searching for how do I lead nurtures? How do I, what is a marketing automation product that works with Salesforce? These were all natural language searches people were doing. And we looked at them in a kind of a Google Analytics view and said, well, why aren't we ranking? When I do that in my browser, I don't see Pardot. And it was like, ah, ding, we have to be the first page, number one, two, or three in organic results for What's a marketing automation product that works with Salesforce? We should have owned that spot. And at that time, we didn't. 
So we spent the next, you know, nine months to a year implementing content strategy that drove that result to a, a higher level. At that point in time, when we, we talk about like conversions or, or even leads, like what percentage were you shooting for from organic? Was that a big part of the overall play in the market or, or was that, did it have room to grow? Like how quickly did that become like vital to the product's entire strategy? Well, interesting because the, the, of course the demand should come from the result being higher. I mean, if you're looking for a marketing automation product and you find us first, that by definition is going to lead to a long tail of better conversions because people are searching for the problem and you they're searching for the solution and you've provided it. But it's an interesting answer, though. Side, if I turn it kind of sideways, um, we didn't know. What, what The first indicator that this was working was we were paying way less money in paid advertising. Our paid dollar budget was like this. And after about a quarter, we, had, we were like, hey, we don't have to spend that anymore. We can spend this much because we're ready. You go down by what, three or four X? Right? Oh, it was massive. And it was like, wait a minute, hold on. Why did we just get back, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in display and search? Oh, because we're ranking organically. Okay, that's big. And then I took that with me, that lesson and that kind of experience to Oracle where to this moment in time, and I don't want to speak for them because I'm not there anymore, but there's an initiative across that company to increase the amount of people that can find the solution to their problems that Oracle can provide. The last job I had there on the CX and advertising business, it was a huge initiative for us. And we started to see the results bear fruit. And the same metric was the one that we were able to really double down on was we're reducing our paid spend over time. And those dollars are being earned. And that was huge. And that lets you do other things like, well, let's take those dollars and put them in events, or let's take those dollars and put them into customer advisory boards or anything else that marketing needs to drive. So it literally created space to do more. Tov gets real fired up. We talk about this all the time. You know, like I'm the chief content officer, so my lane is organic. But we're always talking to to marketers about how if you're doing it right, like this approach that we're taking to, you know, like pain-driven content, you know, pain being a strong word, of course, but like, you know, answering the questions the customers have, like that customer-first marketing approach is not about just organic. It touches every part of your, your marketing. It's such a good point. I mean, and so by the way, to, to bring and circling back when I said I took it this way and I'll bring it back again. So you asked about pipe gen and demand gen and relating SEO and our organic search efforts to, there was a direct correlation. If you laid our SEO ranking chart as we went through this, whether it was at Salesforce or at Oracle or now at Onfido as we began, I just got here in November. So it, it's new, we're still new for me and we're still getting the kind of, plumbing laid for a real aggressive move here. But as you lay that SEO organic performance down next to your demand gen, every single time there's a direct correlation. And the interesting thing is like, it's allowed me to care less about credit when it comes to attribution for pipe. Because I know if we get this right for the top 20 keywords that matter, that the demand will come. And I don't care if it's not attributed to marketing. It will happen. I know it. I've seen it three times, you know, over the course of the last eight years. So I, I just, I don't care as much about credit, which that goes miles from my relationship with our sales leader, because we're talking about pipe and pipe is not just marketing, right? So at B2B companies like, like ours, pipe is a, is a product of sales, SDRs or sales development reps and inbound, you know, the chat, download a paid, uh, sorry, download a white paper, go to an event, join a webinar. All those are inbound channels. 
But as a CMO, I own the responsibility for all of the pipe, even if I didn't generate it. Well, what SEO ranking and performance does is it allows me to say, I don't care as much because I know there's a correlation. And if we get this right, the, the downstream effect is massive. I've seen it three times. So, you know, I, I don't have to sit there and go, hold on, analytics folks, that we should be getting credit for that deal. It doesn't matter. We're going to drive the result we need to drive at, at the organic level. That's so true. Closing that loop between sales and marketing, which all of this very much helps with, is the kind of thinking, right, that the CMO or the CRO need to think about. It's it's not me. It's we, we, we. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is that the sales teams, as smart as they are in any company, and I assume this is true with everybody because I've been to a number of them over 23 years, they can understand something like search. Why? Because they're people and we're all doing it all the time, right? Right. right. You, don't, you don't have to like introduce this like opaque black box strategy, which some people still think it is. But at the end of the day, when you're just getting down to the human level, it's absolutely natural. This is exactly right. So I I mentioned I just recently joined. I've been here going on two months or close to closing in on my two month anniversary. And we went to kind of an exec offsite to plan our 2022, right? So like, what's the plan and organize and align. And I used SEO ranking performance and TOEF gave it to me because I didn't have my license of uh, demand jump just yet. And I was like, ID verification, doc verification, facial biometrics, those are the keyword terms that I wanted to show where we are today and where we want to go. And I used them in the meeting I took our e-team, our exec team through to say, this is what I mean. People are looking for these things and they're not finding us. We're going to change that starting right now. And everyone understood. I didn't have to take them, like you said, the opaque black box of you know MQL conversion rates from landing pages, all this nonsense. It was like, you can open a browser and you can type those search terms too. And you can see where we show up and they're not where they should be on page one. And that was, it was automatic. It was like, yep, totally get it. Next question. You know, you know, it's, it's definitely a difference between your take on marketing 20 years ago versus now. Oh. I mean, it's like, it, oh. our, our, I, this is me getting a little bit poetic here, but like, I want to feel like I'm contributing something to the world, right? Like I'm not just like hawking stuff and I'm not just like selling something, but like, when you're doing marketing right in 2022, you're telling a story and you're solving a problem. And I think like the people who deserve to win are the ones who are genuinely solving problems. And that's what I love about this is it just gets away from all of the jargon, all the technicality, all of the, I need to prove myself by measuring this against whatever you're doing. Or it's just answer a question and do it right. And you're going to win. That's it. Answer the question and, and, and answer the question the way your customers are asking it. What, what I've observed, sorry, Toph, were you going to say something? No, go ahead, Nate. And I, I just want to add on a question for, for you and Ryan. Yeah. Well, let me just finish that one thought then, because one of the things that I've noticed is, and this is probably uh, common for most technical kind of products or solutions out there in the B2B space, it's almost always kind of complex because your, your buyer is an enterprise. The decision isn't just a human, it's a committee. So there's more complexity. Um, But what I can say is that the ability to think about the way our prospective customers are looking for the solution to the problem is not always obvious to people that are inside the company, like the product folks, the people that are writing the code and building the tech. They're thinking about the problems they're solving, but they're not thinking about the way the customers are looking for the solution. And so that's our job is to help them understand, look, when I'm sitting at home as the fraud officer at Barclays, a customer of Onfito, and I search for facial biometrics providers, that's the way I think about it, a facial biometric provider. Well, we're, if we're not ranking for that, then they're going to miss us. And that's not the same thing as what the product team might be building, which is a totally different named 
you know, capability. We have to do, that's the marketing's job too. This kind of brings your point, Ryan, is like doing that translation and speaking on behalf of the customer is a big part of this job. SEO as UX. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think this goes back just the way the internet was born, right? And you think about, you know, search engines and social tools, but search engines were built for people, us as individuals, for people to find any product, service, or information. They were not built for the through the lens of the business that has the product, service, or the information to find the people. And I think that's why SEO has lived such this nebulous, weird, crazy black box life because we didn't have, you know, computational power and database structures, et cetera, to understand this beyond spreadsheets, <laughs> beyond downloading some data, throwing some macro formulas in there and trying to understand it. And guessing a whole lot. <laughs> and, and guessing. It'll just never work, right? Because the internet is not linear. Search engines are not linear. They're very complex graphs and, inter- and networks, right? Yeah. I mean, and I tend to oversimplify because this is not an easy job, right? We have people at, at, on our team who this is what they're thinking about every day. And not only is it not easy to understand all those algorithms and backlinking and all the things you need to do, but the other part of it is, and Ryan, I think you'll appreciate this one, you got to crank out content. I mean, it, that content has to keep coming. Otherwise, your ranking will not go where you want it to go. You can do all the analysis until your head pops off. But if you don't start putting content into the world, you're never going to rank. And so... And that, I so, mean, that translates to like real world experience anyway. Like it's everything we're saying where like you don't have to be, you don't have to overthink this, right? Like set aside the internet. If you're thinking about who's an authority on a topic, is it someone who shows up to like give a speech once a year and then disappears? Or is it someone who's like writing a column in a newspaper or is regularly publishing a book or is speaking all the time? Like all we're doing here is mapping normal human behavior to a digital life. And and so of course, if you want to be an authority in the eyes of the search engine or the eyes of people, you've got to just continue commenting on what's yeah. going on. Or you can do ads, which everybody hates, right? Look, let's just take what you just said and translate into an experience that every one of us knows. And I know your audience is probably advanced marketers or mid-level learners or whatever. But, you know, if I moved last year, I don't have a primary physician in my new location. What did I do? I went and searched for primary physicians near me, right? Well, I guarantee you the doctor who I actually have, which he's great, by the way, I promise you he did not think for a second about where he ranked in that search result. Why? Because he doesn't need to, because that business doesn't, you know, you, you go to the Bay Care or you drive by it or whatever. It's a different problem. But in the world where he wants to start doing telemedicine and offering his services to people that may have moved away from his location, he needs to be thinking about this because someone that's in Colorado, I live in Florida now, they're not going to find my doctor, even though he's awesome, unless he starts thinking about this problem in a different way. And so I think there's something to that about your point around if you're an expert, you don't just show up and say, I'm the doctor. You have to actually make sure people know that you're an expert and put yourself out there in ways that help them find you and create awareness of the fact that actually I'm the best doctor for your needs and here's why, right? I mean, in academics, you know, they get in trouble if they don't publish regularly, right? You can't just teach. You have to continue publishing. It's just, there's real world analogs for everything we're talking about. So what do you guys think about... Uh, there there are marketers out there who say, I'm all in on ABM, account-based marketing, period, full stop. That's all. I don't even want to talk about anything else because I'm going to you know, arrive in glory by singular going through ABM. What, what are your thoughts on that about account-based marketing versus ignoring you know, organic alignment to customer journey 
SEO at all costs. So I have a very specific opinion about this, and it may not be quite exactly what you're looking for. So let me say it. And then we'll cut it out if we don't like yeah. it, right? It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Account-based marketing is very useful for certain kinds of, especially B2B companies. And I'll give you an example is the one I work for now on Fido. Not every company out there, every business, every entity out there is a candidate customer for us. It's customers who need to verify that a human being is a human being for lots of reasons, policy reasons, regulations, security, infosec, or whatever. Banks are a great example. Bitcoin vendors and the Coinbase of the world. These are great examples of where like, if I let you use my service, I need to know who you are and have proven that I did that, like, that work. By definition, that means not every entity out there is going to buy this product. For us, account-based marketing and the account-centric approach to marketing is a good thing because it's a known universe of entities that we want to market to. So if it's a known universe of entities, which ones are they? Let's put together content that maps to those entities and directs our traffic and our agenda and our our effort at them and not everyone else. Like, I'm not going to do a Super Bowl ad. Number one, it's too late. But number two is because everybody watching be like, what? I, you know, that I can't buy that and it's not for me. So there is a place in a specific kind of shape uh, where account-based marketing is awesome. But there's a lot of places where that's not true. Anybody could buy this thing or any business could buy it. And all you got to do is get more and more awareness about what you sell and what you do to get them to buy it in spades over and over again. I talk about it like broad-based marketing versus account-based marketing. They're one in the same thing with one is just those entities only, one is everybody else. I think the answer though, Toph, to your question is how I think about that plus content or SEO. They married to each other. I totally agree with so, that. Totally you know, agree. If we're going to target 2,000 entities on earth, it doesn't mean the SEO goes out the window. It actually becomes even more important because how do those entities talk about themselves? What industry are they in? Who are the buying committees at those kinds of companies? We can get really specific with the content we create that drives SEO results for those audiences in a way that if we didn't have that focus, we probably wouldn't get. And this is where like that that human context is so important. I represent the creatives in this in this equation, right? And I'm always trying to find opportunities to to reassure myself and, and my team of writers that, you know, we're not replacing you with technology anytime soon. And this is one of those times where like I've seen time and time again, customers, marketers trying to make, they make the mistake of saying, well, here we've got two different topics we could go after, right? And one of them has three times the search volume, which means that's the winner. That's the one we got to go after. Whereas the other one is like a longer tail keyword that is just like so pitch perfect to what you're going for that you could put all your money into that and probably make twice the return than you would going after that broad audience. So understanding the context and learning to like move between the broad and the specific is crucial to this kind of marketing, just as it is to, you know, account-based marketing. Yeah. And I mean, I think if you're doing account-based marketing and you're deciding you're going to do that and not SEO, not optimization, not content optimization, you're losing. I mean, on the other hand, if you're not doing account-based marketing and you're not doing SEO and content optimization, you're losing, you know? So one plus the other in both cases is absolutely necessary. So so I always thought about this a little bit through the lens of like, okay, so I'm the CEO of a SaaS company, high growth SaaS company. And what do we all care about in SaaS? We care about lots of metrics, KPIs, right? There's very specific things that we measure and watch on a daily, weekly basis for the health and the growth of the business. All the time, maybe not quite once a month, but every two months, I'm searching 
what are the most critical SaaS metrics? What are the most you know important SaaS metrics? What are something around SaaS metrics? Because I want to keep myself informed, right, about what's changing in the industry, who's talking about what. And so I use that as an example of, because a lot of times people say, you know, marketers might say, well, you know, that that persona, right, the CMO is not asking that rudimentary question. I think they are. And if they're not, when they're laying in bed at night or in the office during the day feeling some pain and they just want to get freshened up, they're, they're tasking their team to, hey, go out and find me X, right? And so that team, those humans go ask questions. And if, we, and, and if the marker doesn't know what those questions are, they're going to miss the boat. Uh, I mean, that's 100% true. The biggest hurdle to overcome in my new job was understanding the way our customers talk about the questions they're asking. Because I came from, I spent the previous, you know, 12 years marketing products to marketers. I understood that perfectly. I knew exactly what I needed to find. But now, it, you know, we're marketing a solution to a problem that I don't actually myself have to solve for. So the first question I asked, well, well how do people think about this and the answer they're looking for? What are the words they use? And again, this brings back the thing I said earlier. The product team's perception of that was not exactly the same as the way the sales team, when I talked to our CRO, Terry, you know, here's what they say when we talk to them. Here's how they speak about the solution. Those were the words that I really wanted to start to juice our SEO approach because they're talking to people who have found us somehow. And so let's put that on, you know, turn that to 11 and make sure we're reaching them. It doesn't matter how we think about it. It matters how the world outside of our walls thinks about the problem. I sometimes, uh, you know, give lunch and learns and, and do some education with writers. And I talk about audience context all the time. And, and the way that I anchor my approach to it is imagine one person that you're trying to reach. If you want to understand like the emotional tone that you should take with your content or the problems you need to solve in that content or the length of it, you know, the technicality of it, all of these things. If you can imagine one real person that you know is your best possible customer, latch onto it. Just latch onto that until you learn something else. And I think that's sort of the same thing that you're saying right now. It's like if you can find a real world source of truth, that's always going to be better than just imagining. Well, and, and marrying up that with what, you know, products like Demand Jump tell me about those keywords. Like, if, if I just heard and Terry told me, you know, this is what they ask about. This is what we keep on hearing in our conversations on the sales side. Okay, great. That gives me something to go check. And I take that and I marry it up to where does this rank? Where, where, how much volume is there for these words in the space we're in? And you start to look for those magic winners, right? Like this is the way they said it. And these are the keywords and the combination gets us massive volume and gets us on page one. That's, it's not to say everything else we're not going to do. But I don't know about your audience or you guys, but we can't do everything. So if we're going to do the most important things first, well, then the most important keyword search terms that our customers are searching for are the ones we should rank page one. That everything, long, all of the other 99 different terms, we'll get to them someday. But right now, it's these five or these 10 or whatever they are. Yeah, that's exactly right. Nate, this has been absolutely awesome. Thanks for sharing all of your wisdom and your experiences we have about a half a dozen kind of quick hitter questions, right? So nothing comes to mind, just say pass, but we have a, about a half a dozen kind of quick hit questions that we like to ask. Who's creating your content? Is it outsourced or in-house? In-house and outsourced. Any SEO myths busted along the way? What's the biggest thing that's that's top of mind as uh, an SEO myth, that, myth that's been busted? The biggest SEO myth that I've seen busted is if we know what the keywords are, we can affect page one performance. 
that's actually not true. You can know them all day long, but it's kind of like COVID vaccination. You can put them all in the warehouse, but until you get them in somebody's arm, nothing's happening. And so the myth was, we know what the words are. Now we got to turn out the content. Where's the content? Who's driving the content? We, that machine's got to start cranking. And, you know, marrying those two things is critical. Yep. And, and no, you can't just use that term 700 times on a page no. and, and assume you're going to <laughs> you just can't put it in your footer and say you're done. You got it. What, what is the last thing you search for? Last thing I searched for that you're uh, willing to admit publicly. Uh, no, I, I, my, the last thing I searched for before this call was a flight to London. We have a lot of folks in London and, and customers in London and I'm going there end of the month. And awesome. what is something that you want to test, but you haven't tested yet? Ooh, good one. Something I want to test that we haven't tested yet is some air cover campaigns around kind of thought provoking concepts in our space uh, that are very niche, but also kind of, whoa, these guys are talking about something in a different way. I haven't tested that yet. We'll get there this year, but I'm still, again, early in my days here. So Interesting. that's awesome. Top three marketing tools you can't live without. Besides Demand Jump? Well, I mean, I, I don't mean, look, I'm on the board. I told you the story about why Demand Jump is absolutely critical. I mean, helping us understand exactly what to write to ch- achieve our page one ranking is why this company matters to me. The other one is Qualified, Qualified.com the chat widget that we can put on our website that lets us not only understand what people need to talk about, but which accounts are there and what they're doing. It's huge, game changer. And the third one is a CRM solution that you believe is true for you and your sales team. In our case, that's Salesforce. There's nothing worse than having the sales team looking at a system of record that's different than the marketers. We don't have that problem here and it's massively differentiated for us. What is the best piece of advice for a first time? Listen a lot. But don't just wait for people to talk. Have the series of questions you need to get answered, right? I came into this role and I knew I needed a bunch of questions answered and I probably wore people out, but I did what I would call a listening tour because I think if you seek to understand, what's that old quote? Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. You can make the change you want to make as fast as you want to make it. If you come in, storm around, this is how we did it there and this is how we did it there. No one wants to hear that. And you know, the ears start to close and people start to not be pay- checked into what you're trying to do. So seek to understand, then to be understood would be my advice to a new CMO. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, Nate Skinner, CMO at Onfido, doing some exciting things. And uh, until next time, we'll see you on page one or bust. Thanks, Toph. Thanks, Ryan. Page one or bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Know the exact content to create to increase first page rankings and drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started for free today at demandjump.com.